I cannot believe today is the first week of online only services. Uh, we've been streaming our services live for quite a while, but it's the first week that we do not gather as a church in person. But here's the amazing thing. Although we're a bit of a scattered church at the moment, we can still gather through technology like this. And I'm so thankful for technology that we have um, at our disposal to do services like this. So we were busy at church with a series called Money Matters. And we decided that just for this week, after everything that happened last week, the, the president's announced, the president, the, the stuff he announced on Sunday, we decided for one week to just pause on that series. We're going to continue next week and talk a little bit about the stuff that's going on in our lives at this moment. And the COVID-19, a lot of people were like, yeah, people are overreacting. It's not that bad. But in the last week, I think effects of, of the restrictions have affected us more than we ever imagined it would affect us. Everyone was kind of focusing on the illness and stuff that came with, with the coronavirus, but we didn't really think about all of the economical effects it will have. I was supposed to, um, to officiate a, a marriage for two couples um, later in this month, and the first wedding was already moved on to October, so cancelled for now. The second one is actually my own brother's wedding, and it seems like that's also going to be moved. So suddenly people who had plans to get married, to, to start their life together, suddenly that's been put on hold. People had travel plans that's been cancelled. Churches suddenly are not allowed to meet if we're over 100 people, and even churches with less than 100 has been like, let's rather play it safe and meet in different ways. And for some people, this is, this is really like upsetting them. Um, small businesses. I've heard about so many small businesses, especially um, entertainment industry, that has really suffered and, and that's saying like, if this continues for a couple of weeks, we will not be able to survive this. I spoke to people who are pensioners and their investment has taken such a big knock that they are truly worried about if the money will make it because they're living off their savings. And there's all this crazy stuff that's going on around us. And just to top of it, it all off, we now have to practice social distancing. So I know what's happening. If you're an introvert, you're like, hey, but social distancing is so good. I've got time on my own. I can think. I can process. I can read. But think about the poor extroverts. They're like, oh, two weeks on my own, four weeks on my own. I'm never going to survive, right? The point is, COVID-19 has led, whether we joke about it or not, it has led to a lot of fear, a lot of confusion, anxiety, feelings of being isolated, feelings of being alone. And I'm like, where does all of this leave us? Where does this whole pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, where does it leave us? And what I want to do today is earlier in the week when we had to process this as well about how we're going to do church online. Myself, I was so worried about our church. Our, will our church survive this? We're still a young church. How are we going to make this work? And I spent some time with God and God gave me a scripture that spoke to me so, so much about our situation. And I'm going to share a bit around that scripture, what's going on and, and what was experienced and the results of that. I want to share that with you today because I think it's so relevant for where we are at, no matter what crisis you're going through. And the story I'm going to share with you is a story from the life of King David. Now, King David was the second king of Israel, and he was himself and probably his son Solomon were two of the most famous kings of Israel. King David took it from a very small kingdom to something significant. 
And often when we think about him, if you have any kind of background knowledge about him, um, you would have certain perceptions about him already. If you don't have, you might have heard some of the stories like David and Goliath. So we think about a man who was without fear, a young teenage boy that took on a gigantic man. We think about a king, a hero that's, that, that led armies of Israel to victories. We think about a legend, a conqueror, a ruler, a leader. So when we think about King David, often our thoughts are like, this man was so extraordinary. Everything in his life was kind of okay. He didn't experience the kind of crisis that we might be experiencing in our lives at the moment. But the reality is, he actually did. It wasn't all smooth sailing for him. David, as a young man, as a teenage boy, was already anointed to be the next king of Israel. But King Saul was still the king. So David actually worked for King Saul, initially just playing music for him to calm him down when he had some temper tantrums. But later on, David started to lead his army. And the more David achieved great things like conquering armies, the more the king got jealous of him because the ladies in town were singing, literally writing songs about him. So King Saul got jealous, tried to kill him a couple of times. And finally, David has to do, guess what? Social, not just distancing, but isolation. He runs away with the help of his friend Jonathan, the king's son, and he has to hide in a cave. With the knowledge that he was anointed as the next king, his whole future has now been stolen from him and he is stuck in a cave. And while he is in this cave, King David wrote a psalm, a song, a poem, a prayer that I want to share with you this morning. And as I'm reading it, I want to encourage you to just think through what's happening. Okay, Um, Psalm 142, New Living Translation, a psalm of David. Regarding his experience in the cave, a dark place, a place of isolation. It's a prayer. Verse 1. He says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for that is strong for me. Bring me out of this prison so I can thank you. Then the godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Guys, when I read this psalm, I'm like, whether it's the COVID-19 thing or other crises that happen in our life, I'm sure you can associate with, with, with some of what we read. He says, I cry out to God. I pour out my complaints. I tell him my troubles. He's like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which way to turn. No one cares about me. Maybe if you're an older person and you're afraid to go to the stores because you're, you're really vulnerable and you feel like no one cares about you. No one wants to go and do your shopping for you. Um, We've all experienced this. He's like, hear my cry. I'm so low. I'm trapped. I'm depressed. I'm filled with anxiety. And he says, bring me out of this prison. He can walk out. It's a cave, right? But it feels like he's being trapped. And I think many of us, I think most of us can probably relate to this. Have you ever felt like that? The impact of 
of everything that's going to go and that's going to happen in our world with the spread of this virus is probably going to impact us more and more as time goes on. It's going to take a while before things get better. And here's the problem. When we feel like David described here, often it leads to anxiety and panic. And when we start to panic, when our hearts are filled with fear, guess what? Fear starts to control our decision making. Fear starts to take us to a dangerous place. People went shopping like crazy. People thought about products, about hand sanitizers and toilet paper. I'm like, seriously, how many times do you go to the toilet? You don't need like 500 rolls of toilet paper, right? But people went crazy because fear is dictating their actions. And I'm like, what can I learn from King David? What can we do in a time where we feel like we're in a prison, in a time when we feel like we're in a cave? The first thing I see, his first, first reaction when he's in a difficult spot is, and not just his only reaction, but his continuing reaction in a time of crisis, a reaction should be to reach out to God. David is like, all this chaos is going on around me, but what's my first reaction? I reach out to God. So he's like, I cannot control the situation. This virus is bigger. Our scientists are still trying to figure out how to beat it, right? We cannot control this. So David realizes that he has to go to an authority, to a power that is bigger than the crisis he's facing. And the only authority bigger than all of that is his God. So our first and our continuing reaction in a time of crisis should be to reach out to God. And here what David does. Okay, he's not just saying, God, save me from a crisis. The first thing he does is he brings his worries to God. So at the beginning, he's like, I'm pouring out my complaints. He's literally complaining to God about his problems. And I think sometimes the only thing we do is we ask God to solve the problem in our lives. But we, we've got all these emotions and all these things inside of us that we have nowhere to go with it. And instead of going to social media, instead of going into a mode of panic, God is like, come and share your heart. Come and pour out your worries. Come and pour out all these issues you're facing. And you're like, Lou, but how can you say that? Because that is literally the example David is giving us. At the beginning, that little heading for the psalm, in, in, in Hebrew it says that it's a maskil. And that is a word that, it is a, it's a psalm, it's a prayer that is written for instruction. So later David wrote the psalm and he kind of shared his experiences to in a very practical way to explain to us what our prayer life should look, should look like in a time of crisis. So he literally shows us, bring your worries, pour out your issues. If you want to complain about the world, if you want to complain about your business, if you're angry about it, if you are sad, if you're depressed, God is like, bring it to me. But the second thing that I learned from this is while I'm going to God, the power of prayer doesn't always lie in the change of my circumstances, but it rather lies in the changes it brings to my soul. You see, we want to pray and we want to be like, God, solve this crisis, like kill the coronavirus or keep me safe. And, and then if God doesn't do what we describe to the God of the universe, we get angry. But David learned such a significant lesson. He says the most beautiful words. He says that God is what he really wants. He literally says that. He's like, I find refuge in you and I found that you are the only thing 
I want. So he's like, I don't want to be king anymore. I don't need you to kill King Saul. I don't need you to, to do all this, these things because I have found something that is larger than my circumstances, that's larger than the crisis I'm currently facing. You see, God, when we talk to God, when we share our experiences with Him, He starts always, the change always starts inside of us. Can God do miracles? We're going to talk about that in a moment. Yes, He can. But the change always starts within me. And this is what happens when I realize that God is all I need. Despite my finances crashing, despite all the chaos, this is what happens. It brings peace and it brings faith into my circumstances. So the craziness is still going on around me, but my fear is not dictating my actions. Now my faith and the peace I have in God brings a calmness over me. So my actions in these difficult circumstances start to change. So in, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul tells Timothy that was like a student of his. He, tell, he gives him amazing advice and he says this. He says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. God doesn't, the only fear that God blesses that's good is the fear of God. So respecting God. But God doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want fear to dictate our lives. Our faith should be bigger than our fear. So God fills us with power. God fills us with love despite the craziness in the world. And God fills us with self-control. But we have to go to God. Don't allow fear to determine your future. Faith is bigger than fear. But you have to spend the time with God in order for Him to change your heart first. So, does it mean, does this mean that there's no outcome? That, we, that God doesn't do miracles, that God will not somehow intervene in this. The answer is no. God can intervene. God can do something significant. And I want to share with you in two verses the moment that's actually taking place that David is reflecting on. This time of prayer happened in a specific point of time that we read about in 1 Samuel 22. So there's twice, there's two times when David is actually hiding in a cave. But the second time, he already had people with him. So I do not believe that this prayer was, was written when he was hiding in the cave the second time in 1 Samuel 24. I believe it had happened while he was hiding in the cave in 1 Samuel 22. And I, wanted see, I want you to see how God can bring an outcome, not only changes from the inside out, but also change things around us. So this is what happened. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. He became the leader, the captain. And there were with him about 400 men. Because what did David just say in that psalm. You see, when you just read these two verses, you're like, oh, David is in a cave. Everything sucks. Boom. Everything is good. But that whole prayer happens between that full stop and this end. 
So when we read this, it seems so simple. It's like, oh, I just do a prayer and God solves everything. But there was a whole process. We don't know how long, days or months, that David was between that full stop and this end. In that time of crisis, he's like, I'm alone. No one cares about me. I don't know how to handle this. Save me from this prison. But what is so beautiful to me in this verse is that God does bring an outcome, but the outcome doesn't always look the way I want it to look. If I was David, what would I have wanted? I would have wanted for Saul to die so that I could become the king and take control of the kingdom. That's what I would have wanted. The guy is trying to kill me, take him out so I can continue living. But God does something completely different. God doesn't overthrow Saul. God doesn't take David out of the cave. But he adds something to the cave. So God adds something good to the moment of distress, to the moment of panic, to the moment where I'm feeling I am trapped. And I think especially in a time of social distancing, I've said this numerous times, social distancing is good, isolation is not good. Guys, whether you're introvert or extrovert, we need people in our lives. And why? what does God do? The first thing God does is He sends family to David to comfort him. His father and his brothers joins David. We don't know how long it took, but he was on his own for a while. And the first people God sends David is his family. And I want to encourage you during this time where we try to stay indoors, where we try to limit our exposure to other people, make time for your family. Social media, work, sports, hobbies, all of these things tend to steal time away from our families and our quality time with each other keeps diminishing. God has literally, through this process, blessed us with four weeks that we can actually spend quality time as families together. So use it. Be comforted by each other. Don't be isolated. Don't be alone. And if you are living on your own, make time to meet in small groups of people, with your friends from church, with friends from wherever you know them. But make time to have people around you that can comfort you in a time of loneliness. The second thing God does, and this is my favorite part, and this is what God really spoke to me about. Oh, so by the way, a Mrs. Hard Times brings families together. But the second thing that God does is God do unexpected miracles. God can bring us unexpected miracles in a time of crisis. I love this part. David is about to become king. And if you were someone who were in trouble, if you were someone who owned people a lot of money, if you had all kinds of issues in your life, you would probably not join the king's army because you, would, you might end up in jail, right? But who joins David's new army? People who were in debt, debtors were after them. People who were in trouble, all kinds of misfits join David's army. So suddenly... People who had no purpose, their purpose was just running away from life, suddenly they find purpose. So David's cave becomes their purpose. A crisis for one person might bring about an opportunity or a purpose for someone else or even for yourself. David 
where he was like, I came from a place of leadership to a place of nothing. Suddenly God is like, I'm going to give you leadership again. And I'm going to teach you how to be a leader to really difficult people, not just to the good people who say, yes, king and no king and yes, commander, no commander. So God is actually growing his leadership. David's cave becomes a future for the most unlikely men. David's cave become a training ground for him to become the leader God wanted him to be. I was so worried about our church as well. We're a young church and I'm like, God, are we going to make this? We cannot meet together. Will we make this? And God spoke to me through this verse. And he said, Louis, a time when you think everyone is scattering away, where we have to go online. It can be a time where I can use it to bring people that would have never walked into a church because it might be intimidating for them, because they might think it's not for them, God is like, I can use this opportunity to bring them in. And I want to tell you today, this is the first time in a long time that you have listened to a, a sermon, that you've been in church. I want to welcome you especially, because I believe that this moment is a holy appointment that God made with you, whether you knew it or not. And I want to encourage you that if you might be in this cave and you do believe in Jesus, I want to encourage you to share this post. Like tag people in it. Get more people involved with this. Because this is a message that brings hope to everyone. That is what God is about. He wants to fill our lives with hope. But God has just told me over and over through the scripture, the outcome is not necessarily going to look the way you hope, but I will bring up unlikely miracle about in this time and that is my prayer for each of you as well that you will not only experience an internal transformation but that you will also see the beautiful miracles that God wants to do in your life trust God for an unexpected miracle in your life during this hard time don't give up don't be isolated if you feel isolated get together with family if you want to make a difference in the world at times of crisis, that's your best opportunity. If you've got a neighbor that's old and can't go and do shopping because they're vulnerable, offer to go and do their shopping for them. If you know someone that's in need because their business is crashing, offer to help them financially. Do something in this time and God might change something significant in your own life, but it can also do amazing miracles in our community in hard times. So trust God for it. Don't give up. Don't grow tired. And guys, if ever if you need help or you need to speak, email us. Send us a message. Like send us a comment. We want to be here for you, although it might be on the other side of the screen. We want to pray with you. We want to spend time with you. We want to help you through this process. So know that you are not in this cave on your own. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are a God of miracles. And thank you that the most amazing miracle is the transformation you brought about in my own life. I pray that during this time of crisis, not only in South Africa, but across the world, that you would fill people with hope, that you would transform lives, that you would give us new purpose, that you'd give our lives new meaning, and that you would bring about the most unlikely miracles, miracles we would have never even thought about, that you would bring that about in our lives. I pray, God, for every person that's worried, every person that's filled with panic or anxiety. And I pray that in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would just bring a peace and a calmness over their lives. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.